0: Hi, this is Laura Bullgreen, and today for our Genesis audio devotional we'll be reading Genesis 4 verses 1 through 24. Now Adam had sexual relations with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant. When she gave birth to Cain, she said, With the Lord's help, I have produced a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother and named him Abel. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd, while Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel in his gift, but he did not accept Cain in his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Why are you so angry? the Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. One day Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the fields. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Afterward, the Lord asked Cain, where is your brother? Where is Abel? I don't know, Cain responded. Am I my brother's guardian? But the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are cursed and banished from the ground, which has swallowed your brother's blood. No longer will the ground yield good crops for you, no matter how hard you work. From now on, you will be a homeless wanderer on the earth. Cain replied to the Lord, My punishment is too great for me to bear. You have banished me from the land and from your presence. You have made me a homeless wanderer. Anyone who finds me will kill me. The Lord replied, No, for I will give a sevenfold punishment to anyone who kills you. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain to warn anyone who might try to kill him. So Cain left the Lord's presence and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Cain had sexual relations with his wife, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Enoch. Then Cain founded a city which he named Enoch after his son. Enoch had a, had a son named Irad. Irad became the father of Mahujael. Mahujael became the father of Methushel. Methushel became the father of Lamech. Lamech married two women. The first was named Ada, and the second was Zillah. Ada gave birth to Jabal, who was the first of those who raise livestock and live in tents. His brother's name was Jubal, the first of all who play the harp and the flute. Lamech's other wife, Zillah, gave birth to a son named Tubal-Cain. He became an expert in forging tools of bronze and iron. Tubal-Cain had a sister named Naama. One day, Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice. Listen to me, you wives of Lamech. I have killed a man who attacked me, a young man who wounded me. If someone who kills Cain is punished seven times, then the one who kills me will be punished seventy-seven times." Cain and Abel are the first characters we are introduced to after the people of God have been expelled from the garden. So reading this story to me, uh, the stakes feel kind of high. I, I, I approach the story and I wonder, how will they act? What will they do? What is going to happen now that this perfect world that God had created, this world he, he made his people to live in with him, now that that world has been disrupted, what will happen? Clearly, we can see from this story that that things turned sour pretty fast. I mean, the Bible is is a really long book, and and it didn't take very long for some serious drama to get introduced. Here at the beginning pages of Scripture, we see shame, and conflict, and killing. And I don't know about you, but this story is, is a little bit puzzling to me. I, I have a lot of questions. <laughs> I wonder, why was Cain's response so extreme? It feels like a really big jump to go from this, this world of perfection, this world of, of um, perfect relationships and perfect community to the first murder. Was, was he just jealous that his brother found favor with God, but he didn't? And and while we're talking about that on that subject, why was that? Why did God reject his gift? If both brothers offered something to the Lord, then why exactly did God look upon one with favor and not the other? When I come to this story, this is honestly the question that is the easiest for me to linger on. What was wrong with Cain's offering? And there's all kinds of opinions and perspectives about it. Some people just kind of brush it off. Some people will say, you know, God is God, so he can do whatever he wants. He doesn't owe us an explanation, which, sure, fine. But I'm concerned that if we follow that line of thinking too much, we might end up with a view of God that we would prefer to distance ourselves from a God who is temperamental and unpredictable, who answers to no one, and who is rather fussy. Um, all of those things that are rather untrue to his actual character. Some people suggest that that maybe Cain offered the wrong kind of offering, that God wanted blood and not crops from the ground. Maybe. but I, I don't see any instructions beforehand. So if that's the case, then in the in the narrative of this story, we're missing a pretty significant piece of information. I've heard before that Cain's offering just wasn't good enough, that, that maybe he offered God leftovers while Abel offered his very best, or some other people say that his heart must not have been in the right place. And these things could be true as well. But the truth is that we simply are not told the reason. And this is hard for me. I find myself wanting to know exactly what he did wrong because I want to make sure not to repeat it. And I wonder why it is that I can get so hung up on that. Is it, is it because rules feel safer? Because it feels more manageable to just be given a checklist of things to do or to avoid doing instead of this big wild God who we're simply invited to be in relationship with? Because rules generally stay the same. And relationships are always changing and growing, and it's incredibly messy. Whatever the reason is, I find myself zeroed in on that question. It kind of makes me think of the kinds of questions I've heard all my life. You know, the questions that ask, well, how far is too far? When does this particular thing count as sinning? It's like we want to know exactly how close to the line of sin we can get without technically crossing over. But the fact remains, Scripture doesn't tell us why God accepted Abel's offering and rejected Cain's, which can only lead me to conclude that that is not the point. So what about the rest of the story? If that's not the point, then what is? Cain's response to being corrected by God is to lash out at his brother. In his anger, he eventually kills him. This is the first human death recorded in scripture. And it came at the hands of another person, of a brother. And then God comes and he asks where Abel is, which he's God, so I'm sure he already knew, but he asks and Cain responds, am I my brother's keeper? Am I my brother's guardian? Am I responsible for him? And this sounds like a familiar story to me. It sounds like a familiar pattern. Because in the garden, Adam and Eve were tempted. They disobeyed God. They went against his commands and then they hid. And God came looking for them, asking a question he already knew the answer to. Where are you? And when Adam and Eve knew they were found out, their next response was to shift the blame. Well, this woman you gave me or well, the serpent told me. And both stories tell of god's people acting in destructive ways and then trying to cover it up trying to hide and both stories also display god's willingness to pursue us and to show his people incredible inexplicable grace he provides clothes to cover adam and eve's nakedness and shame and he tells cain that even though he will be sent out as a wanderer he will not go without protection sin hiding shifting blame grace sin hiding shifting blame grace within these beginning chapters of scripture we already see an incredible pattern emerging in a story that reveals our tendency to rebel and god's determination to continue loving and caring for us and that is astounding to me in these beginning pages of scripture we are being introduced to a god who we can feel safe with even in our worst moments. Could we dare to believe that is true? And something interesting happens at the end of this passage. Cain moves on with his life. He has a family and that family grows and eventually one of his descendants commits the second recorded murder in scripture, killing a man who wounded him. In this account, his response is to quickly claim the same protection that was given to Cain, even more protection. Now, optimistically, I'd like to think that he had at this point this inherent understanding of the grace and love God has extended, that that he's not worried because he knows that he's held and kept by God. But the story makes me pause with some concern because there's no record of him even interacting with God about it at all. Instead, it's almost like there was this super quick movement away from the understanding of our neediness before God to a declaration that I deserve this. It's almost like the serpent who initially tempted the man and woman to turn their hearts away from God is already realizing the healing grace that is offered and that he immediately moves in to corrupt it, to tame it, to make it less scandalous, cheapened and demanded by someone who may or may not even feel true remorse. And the truth is, I don't know what was happening there, but it makes me feel the need to sit with the grace of God, to remember it is not a debt that is owed to me. It's not something I can grab and claim for myself but only something that can be humbly received. So what about you? What catches your attention in this story? What do you think about the way God interacts with Cain? Do you find the same tendency in yourself to hide, to rebel, to shift blame? And do you find yourself surprised by God's grace? What kind of response is that stirring in your heart today? Jesus, we love you and we praise you for being a God who does pursue us and does extend grace. And thank you that you gave us this picture from the very beginning of your word. And I pray that your goodness and your love for us would inform us as we continue to read more of your good story. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.